The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Well, we are, we are going to continue on this topic of worship. Last week, we, we kind of kicked things off really, really kind of looking at worship from a kind of a, a personal perspective, right? Oftentimes, when we think of worship, we think of settings like this and going to church and singing songs. But, but the challenge last week, if you were here, you may remember, is that we, we need to learn how to make room in our own lives, not just on Sunday morning, that's good, let's worship on Sunday morning, but how we make room in our own lives, even for, I mean, we do it for Bible reading, we do it for prayer, we all, we, you know, we've been taught that from the day we got saved, right? You know, read your Bible and pray. But we need to make room in our lives to, to be people who worship. Because worship, as we talked about it, is when we, we see God for who he is, and then allows us to see us for who we are. And it's that, that expression, intentional expression that flows out of that. Well, I want us to continue to look at that and maybe, maybe look at that from even more, um, from another angle a little bit. Let's dive a little bit deeper. You know, in John chapter four, Jesus is having a conversation with a lady and, um, and she asks a question about worship. She says, you know, there's, two, there's a couple different ways to, to view this thing. Um, you know, there's certain people who say you should worship over here. And then there's other people who say that you should kind of worship over there. Which, which, which way are you supposed to worship? Where's the right place to worship? And then Jesus responds by not answering her question. He responds by not saying where you should worship, but how you should worship. He said, true worshipers, real worshipers, are going to worship, and I'm sure she's like getting, oh, where, where, which one, which one, which one are the real ones? True worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. I wonder if she was like, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> Who's right? All right that, that's the question that we want to ask. Which, which way of worshiping is right? Is worshiping like this right, or is worshiping like, which way does it look like? But he says, true worship will worship in spirit and truth. Oh, let me ask you this. What does, it, what does that look like? What does it look like to worship in spirit and in truth? Okay, let's make it personal. How, how about for you? Like, and I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey or your relationship with God, or, or, or maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you've been walking with the Lord, but the worship side of things is maybe a little bit different or you haven't really experienced. But there's some of us in here, I know it. There's some of us in here who you've had some sweet, sweet times in the presence of God, where you've been in a worship setting where, where music was playing and voices were being lifted to God, and there was just this, this overwhelming sense of the presence of God, right? You guys been there before? Yeah, you've experienced that in some capacity or another. I mean, I, I get that that's supposed to be the environment every single time we, we, we gather together and worship, but Hey, if we can be real, there's some days you come in and you just throw it on cruise control, right? And you learn how to, when to raise your hands and when to, you know, do all the worship expressions. And I get it. But then there's those moments, and I hope they happen often for you, when you're just overwhelmed with the presence of God. So I want you to, I want you to think about it. If, if you've had an experience like that or, or you have on a regular basis experience like we just sense the presence of God in that time of worship, I, I want you to think about, I want you to think about that. What did worship look like in that moment? Or what was, what was the environment like of worship in that moment? Right? We, we, we've got so many different thoughts that are going around in our head, even right now. For those of you who are like, man, I, I've experienced God's presence in this rich in, in way and in, in this time of worship. For some, maybe it's like this large venue, this big venue, and, 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 and lots of people, and the music is like cranked up loud, and there's lights going, and there's, there's multimedia stuff happening, and scripture, and all this stuff going in, and you're just like lost in this sea of worshipers. And you're just like, man, I felt like I was standing in front of the throne of God. For others, that moment for you is sitting around a, a piano in the living room with a family and a few close friends, and there's just a, 
a sweetness and this overwhelming sense of God's presence. For others, there is nothing that ushers in the presence of God like those good old gospel choruses. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like when, when that music starts going, like all of a sudden, boom, you are just there. You could just be in heaven. Hey, get this. So um, when we were at the men's sabbatical retreat that Pastor Grady puts on and, and their ministry puts on in, in, in December, in, in, incorporated into worship, it was like right before worship, after worship time, there was a guy that got up and he rapped in worship. I know some of you are thinking right away, like, that's not worship, that's rap. There's a difference. But get this, he's a pastor of a church in Indiana that regularly incorporates rap music in their worship setting. Some of you are still like not sure if that's a thing, right? But maybe you're on the other end. Maybe like you could go to the symphony. You don't even need any words. And like, oh, I just sense the presence of God. Others, it's, it's those moments of unscripted, like free worship, you might call it, where it, it, it's the time when, when the, the words come off the screen and the band is still playing and yet the music swells in your heart and you begin to sing your own song to Jesus and you're with others and everybody's just going for God on their own and that is your sweet spot. Which is the right expression of worship? Which is the, the correct one? Okay, okay. None of us, few of us would say there is a right one, right? Which one's best, though? We all know which one's best. <laughs> I'd say this. I actually do know which one is best, or at least I have a, a good shot at it. I would say the worship genre, I should probably even rephrase that, the music genre that is, is best for you is whatever is best at getting you on your knees before the throne of God. To say which one is best is like saying, is it on this mountain or that one that we come to worship? And I think Jesus' answer is today the same as it was 2,000 years ago. It's not about worshiping on the traditional mountain or the contemporary Christian mountain or the latest worship hits mountain. But true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. You see, worship, we've got to be really careful here. Worship is, or music is not worship. Despite the fact that there is a giant uh, genre of music called worship music, music is not worship. Music is a vehicle for worship. Um, I, meant, I made this comment last week, but I think it needs to be said again. I, listen, there's a difference between listening to worship music and worshiping God. Because I can listen to worship music now, and, and there's value. I'm not saying don't listen to worship music. There's value in that. You're putting truth of God's word inside of you. You're consuming it, even when you're not thinking about it. It's wonderful. But there's a difference between listening to worship music on your way to work and worshiping God on your way to work. Because one can just be listening to music, and the other is intentionally bowing your knee before the throne of God. So you want to bow your knee before the throne of God to rap music? You do it. You want to bow your knee before the throne of God to a song that was written thousands of years ago? Hey, you do that too. See, we used this definition last week. is when we see God for who he is and we see us for who we are. Or we see God for who he is. Let me change the wording on that a little bit. And we see ourselves in light of that. And basically, that's what I mean when I say we, 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 we bend your knee to the 
throne to his throne, right? Or bow my knee. It requires surrender to bow my knee, to, to lower myself, to get rid of pride. I bow my knee to his throne, to his authority, to his control. That's the place where worship can now begin to flow. And, and it happens in a lot of different environments. Think about it. If, it. if it's simply just the bowing the knee to God's throne, right, humbling myself to his authority, it, it can take a lot of different forms. If it's, if it's seeing him for who he is, you guys realize that's a really big statement, right? He's a lot. And seeing me in light of that, it, it might look like this. There's sometimes when I come to God and worship, and I see him as like this sovereign authority, I see he's the creator of the universe, the judge of all men's hearts. He knows my heart better than I do. That's scary. My response is like to tremble. I begin to understand the depth of what what, uh, we read throughout really the Psalms and the Proverbs, about the, the fear of the Lord. And we begin to see his bigness and, and it causes me to respond like Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, he says, Woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and, and I live among a people of unclean lips and let my eyes have seen the glory of God Almighty. So that's worship. But sometimes, sometimes when I bow my knee to his throne, I see him for who he is, as a loving father. And I just feel his warm embrace in a way that somehow doesn't contradict the fact he's also the judge of all men's hearts. And I don't understand how it even works, but I, 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 maybe you've been there, you just melt in his presence and the warmth and you're just like, man, he's my dad and he loves me. I see him for who he is, and I see myself in light of that. Sometimes, sometimes when I bow my knee before the throne of God, I I see God as my defender, and I see him as my protector. And and, and when when I bow my knee, I realize that like I'm trying to do too much on my own. And sometimes just tears start coming as I realize I just have to let go. I just have to trust him. He can handle it, and I don't have to. And I come to him in worship, and I see him as a defender and my protector. And all of a sudden, I let go of all the stuff I'm I'm holding on to, and I realize I am weak. I see myself in light of who he is. It's going to look different every single time. But if we keep asking the question, which mountain should we worship on, we're going to miss it. Because it's not about the mountain, and it's not about the instruments that are being used It's about true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. The question is, have you bowed your knee to his throne today? And we were all in here. All the music was playing. But the question is, have you bowed your knee to God's throne yet today? (laughs) Which for a lot of us means we got to get up out of that throne for a minute (laughs) so we can let him have the seat. And we humble ourselves and we recognize his authority. So here's the, here's the, here's the deal. We're talking about these worship genres and these music uh, different styles and whatnot. And, and the truth is, we've got to keep this in, in mind. Music is, or music is not worship. Music is a vehicle for worship. What I mean is that simply playing music doesn't necessarily mean that I'm worshiping, but it's a great way to get to a point of worship, Right? But it's also, we got to understand, it's one of many vehicles, right? There's many things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 uh, says that, that, that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then Paul says this. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. So according to that definition, and if we use this broad sense of like bowing our knee to his throne, all right, humbly acknowledging his authority, when we use that kind of like, There can be thousands of different vehicles of worship, can't there? 
We can worship God in the way that we serve. We can worship God in our giftings that he's given us. We could worship God in our finances and, and generosity. We could worship God in the way that we interact with one another. We can worship God in so many different ways. <clears throat> so it kind of sort of begs a question. I, I, we, we just bear with me for a minute. If music isn't necessarily necessary for worship, have we made too much of music in our, in our church services? Have we given music too high of a, a status for work? Shouldn't we be worshiping in a lot of different ways? Shouldn't it be, we be worshiping like all over? Like, have we, have, we, have we reduced our worship to this like 20-minute song list? And that's what we call worship. Shouldn't we be like finding new ways to offer our bodies as living sacrifices? You know, I, I hear from time to time, People say things like, hey, I, you know, I, I come to church. I, you know, the message is great. I love the word. I love the teaching. Uh, you know, the music thing, it's just not really my thing. <clears throat> or people will tell me, all right, like, yeah, sometimes I'll come late just because, you know, I'm not really, the music isn't really, um, you know, I'm just not kind of like a music kind of guy. So I'll come for, I guess, I guess what I'm wondering now is, is, is that okay? Is that, is that an accept? Is it just like different strokes for different folks kind of thing? <clears throat> Before we answer that, I think it's probably a good idea right now. We should probably turn to scripture. You know, this, this week, um, this week I did some study on the use of music in our worship expression from the Bible. And there were certain things I expected, like anytime you're going to do research, right? There's certain things you expect, and then sometimes you find things that you weren't expecting. What I expected is the Psalms would just burst at the seams, which it did. There are lots and lots. Psalms is like a songbook. Um, and so, yes, there were lots of Psalms references. But what I found interesting is the example of and the teaching on the emphasis of music in worship throughout the Bible from cover to cover. It was really interesting. So I want to I read you. Like, so honestly, I did some things, and you know, I looked, researched stuff, cut and pasted a bunch of verses, pasted them all to one place. I had 17 pages. So you'll be happy to know I reduced that down significantly, okay? But, but I, uh, I felt it's worthy to say because like, there's a lot about it. And so I, I just want to read some of my findings, when I started looking at, like, can we not just worship God in other ways? Let's see the example. So I'm going to start, like I said, cover to cover. Let's go Exodus. Let's start in Exodus. So the, the Israelites had just crossed over the, the sea, <clears throat> the sea, and they've been freed from, uh, from the, the Egyptians. Exodus 15.1, Moses is singing songs. Exodus 15.20 says, Then Miriam took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. There was worship and song and dancing at the victories that God was doing. Second Samuel chapter 6, just so you know, we're going machine gun style. This is going to be fast, Okay. So if you're taking notes, you can write, jot down the reference. I'm going to move. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. I love that. I love that. 2 Kings 3.15, but now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Man, God's hand specifically came on the mu musician as he began to play his music. Get this. Now, let's look at uh, how important this was, the um, dedication of the temple. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5, 12 through 14. And all the Levitical singers, priests, get Levitical singers, just so you know, that's like priests with a specific job to be singers, like they're worship leaders in the law way back then. Interesting, they needed that, but that shows you the emphasis on this concept. And all the Levitical singers, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen, with, they're dressed well, with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. That's a lot of trumpets. 
And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And the song was raised with trumpets and, uh, and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord. For he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister before the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. When did the glory of the Lord fill the house of God? When the music started, Second Chronicles 29, 25, and he stationed the Levites, that's the priests, in the house of the Lord, the cymbals, harps, and lyres, according to the commandment that was from the Lord through his prophets. God commanded that music would be a part of worship of God back in like the Old Testament under the old law. Nehemiah 12, uh, verse 27, in, in the dedication of, of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites, the priests, in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate, celebrate the dedication with gladness and with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Again, I'll cut the Old Testament part off right there. But then, is this, so this is an Old Testament law thing again? We talked about this a few weeks ago, but this one is easily not because we see it in the New Testament. Like both Matthew uh, 26.30 and Mark 14.26, it's actually word for word the exact same verse. Um, but both of the gospel writers thought it was important to mention that they sang a hymn before they went out to the Mount of Olives right there on, on Jesus' uh, uh, last night before the cross. The significance of worship. Acts 16, um, verses 23 through 35 there, it kind of tells the whole story, but it's Paul and Silas, they're in prison. It says, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison. They put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Bummer of a day. About midnight, Paul and Silas were not sleeping, which is what I think I would probably be trying to do. At about midnight, after a really hard day, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken in worship. Now we get some of the, the, the uh, New Testament writers, or Paul, a lot of it here, gives us some instruction. It says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Romans 15, 9, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. James 5, 13, this is an interesting one. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. We got that part, right? That's why we write down the prayer things and the cards. We do that part. How about this one? Is anyone cheerful? Cheerful. Let him sing praise. This is instruction from the word of God. Hebrews 2.12, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. 13, Hebrews 13.15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. <clears throat> and then to wrap it up, here's one in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. This is a uh, End time stuff. Here we go. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the Lord. If singing isn't your thing, you should at least learn to moderately enjoy it before Jesus comes back. <clears throat> Just a tip. And if you're wondering what song we're going to sing, it's not Amazing Grace. I know that'd be a good candidate, right? Everybody knows it. They're singing a new song. There's something welling up inside of them. They were singing a new song of praise. Do you get the point yet? I'm going to double down. All right, here's what I found in Psalms. And just the, this is a fraction. But I want you to just kind of hear, take in the instruction that we have in God's word. Psalms 9-2, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 33-3, sing to him a new song. There's that new song. You're going to hear that a few more times. It's interesting. Sing to him a new song. 
I think David loved the idea of a new song because there was always just praise welling up in him and he just wanted to put it in new words over and over and over again. I, I, just, I, just, I think there's something cool there. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Here's another theme you're going to see a lot in, in the Psalms. That, that when they worshipped, David was really all about shouting out loud in their worship. Right? That's... that's Sometimes that might be different than some of, right? When I said, where did you picture yourself? Maybe you were the type that like, it is around that piano and in that sweet spot of worship and it's stillness and the quiet. And there's value in that. I'm not, we're going to come full circle here in a moment. But there's value in that. But there's also value in understanding that there's other environments where the most appropriate thing that you can possibly do is shout for joy because of who God is and how you see yourself in light of him. But you're going to hear it a bunch. He put a new, uh, I'm, these are all going to be in Psalm here, 40 verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Chapter 47, clap your hands, all you people. Here it is again. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. 71:23. my lips sh- will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. This is interesting. And we go to chapter 95, verse 1 and verse 6. It gives you two different aspects here. And in verse 1, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Five verses later, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Something I see in this is that David wasn't like, this is, this is the mountain you have to worship on. He says, what's critical is the heart of worship. At times, it's going to make joyful noise. At times, we quiet our heart in reverence. I think you get the point. There's a lot more here. <laughs> All this to say, Throughout the word of God, there's this theme of worshiping him through music. And I'll be honest, this is a weird thing to preach on a Sunday morning. Like, aren't there better things to talk about? Why, like the significance of music in our worship? Sure, maybe. Um, but I think the fact that it's weird, and at the same time, it's so prevalent in scripture means might we be missing something in worship? May there be something that, some aspect of me that stays a little bit locked up and not quite free to release all of who I am to God in worship because I don't want to hold anything back. So here's what we see. We see like in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Psalms, like in the New Testament, it said hymns a lot. It seemed to like hymns in the New Testament. Um, David, on the other hand, he loved singing new songs. Which mountain do we worship on? In spirit and truth. And sometimes even David contrasted this in both loud shouts and quiet reverence. And some of the expressions were big and extravagant and some were humble and simple. But the common thread is this, is that music is, is a fantastic vehicle for worship. You know, when, when, when Paul writes, our worship ought to be in everything we do. We have to be careful. Sometimes I, I do this, maybe, maybe you don't know, but sometimes I do this. It's like I hear one verse like that, and instantly I ignore the whole breadth of, the, of Scripture that's like so evidently like there's something interesting about the connection between worship and music. And then I kind of sort of like put that on the back burner, and like, oh, no, no, but worship is really just about lifestyle. And it is. And in fact, a couple weeks, we'll get there. But let's not miss, there's something significant in this thing with music. Are there any of you that are like uncomfortable because you're like, I just don't like the music thing, and you're still not sure yet? All right, well, we'll get to you. Let me just put it this way. I don't think we're ready to just dismiss the music side of worship yet. There's something in it. So I want you to follow me for just a minute and I, and I want to try to put a few pieces together, okay? Um, 
there's, there's this thing in science <laughs> with like sound waves and they hit your eardrum and it makes sound. Like stuff that we learned in like, like science class in school, right? The sound waves and different things and they vibrate at different frequencies and they make sound and they make us hear all these kind of things. We can understand the science behind it, but you know what I absolutely do not understand is how sound waves, these vibrations in the air, hit our ears in a particular pattern that automatically elicits a particular emotion. Isn't that super weird? And before we start arguing it, there's a reason why the soundtracks of horror movies and scary movies all sound moderately similar. Because there are certain sounds that as we take them in, just make us feel like this, you know, like, oh. And then there's other movies like romantic comedies that's light and bubbly and fun and, you know, right, right there. Like even at, here, and here's, here's why I know this happens, is even as I was describing that music with words, you heard it and felt it. Because we know this. Sure, there's some cultural differences that influence stuff like that, but there, I mean, there's a certain thing. Like you hear like heavy rock music and you just get angry, right? You, you hear these certain, like there's certain music, like you want peaceful, soothing sounds. You search peaceful, soothing sounds on YouTube and you're going to get roughly the same sounds. There's this weird, bizarre thing that happens is when these vibrations in the air come into our ears and rattle and vibrate in our heads that it somehow elicits a particular set of emotions. Anybody find that weird Anybody ever pause to think about the fact that God made that? Right? God created those sound waves, and he created you and me as emotional beings. I know some of you fight that real hard, <laughs> right? But he created us to express emotion. I think that's one of the aspects of why we are created in the image of God. And for some reason, for a reason unbeknownst to me, like music engages those emotions. I'm not in general, I'm not in, like a, an emotional guy. I'm not necessarily the, like the creative type. I'm more the like reason thinking logic. Kind of, like or put it this way. If I had to like work on spreadsheets all day long or paint on canvas all day long? Excel, here we go, right? Like just give me some spreadsheets over a canvas, right? That's, so I lean that way, just so, you, just so you know, this isn't just some like emotive guy emoting all over the place, okay? This, that's not what this is. And yet, I can't help sometimes, like when I'm listening to music, especially if it's live, if it's even more so, and it's a voice that is so just on point. It doesn't even have to be about God. It can just be about just music. And it can just be beautiful. And I get goosebumps. Like borderline embarrassing how often it happens. And my use of borderline is even borderline. It happens a lot. And why? There's no explanation that I can possibly think of other than God wanted that to happen. Okay? I'm, I, I took the time to make that point because there's some of us spreadsheet folks that we just need to be reminded of that. Um, so with that in mind, now let's think about all this scripture we just read. That God said, worship commands us to worship with music. He commands us and then models throughout Scripture from front to back his people worshiping with music. Why? Well, this is where our spreadsheet people are good. We can put two and two together, right? God desires that when we come to him in worship, that when we bow our knee at his throne, we don't just bring our mind and our strength, but we bring our heart and our soul. 
right? The greatest commandment still is that, right? To love the Lord of God with your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Now, sometimes we look at that at four separate things, and, and there's probably reason and good study, and you can look at all that. But I like to simplify it a little bit more and just look at it as two separate things. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, to love the Lord your God with all your mind and strength. If we were to put it in, in today's way of thinking, maybe you'd hear it say it this way, to love the Lord your God with all of your left brain and with all of your right brain, right? Now, before some of you start going like, hey, don't be just telling, oh, we're not, it's not just about motion for the sake of emotion, right? I'm not gonna leave my brain at the door. Nobody's asking you to leave your brain at the door, but nobody asks you to leave your heart at the door either. It's interesting that we have this thing that we do as humans. I think we do it even more so as Christians, where if we see somebody doing something poorly, we immediately dismiss it altogether. So we see something that God intended, and then somebody does it poorly, and then so as, so as to not do it poorly like that, we dismiss what God intended. God wants all of you, friends. And sometimes we want to come and, and we just want to be intellectual with God. I'm not saying don't be intellectual. Study, know the word, dig deep, memorize scripture, do the, do do the study, like know your doctrine. But when you come to worship, he invites you to bring your whole self. He invites you not just to bring your mind and your strength, but he invites you to kneel and to bring your heart and your soul. I wasn't trying to just for the sake of, of conjuring up emotion, but you notice what happens when you begin to recognize God as, as like authority and you begin to see yourself for who you are. It, there's some emotion that comes in there. When you begin to see God as a, as a father who loves you like more than anybody could ever love you no matter what, and there's, there, yeah, there's emotion that comes with that. And, 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 and if you're going to recognize God as your defender and protector, then I don't have to keep doing it all on my own anymore. Guess what? There's some emotion that comes with that. And guess what? He says, work with music, which means don't shy away from the emotion. It's okay to lean into it. And maybe you've been to some church service where there was just like, okay, I'll just be, I, I have. Like I, I just took a season of my life where I, I was really hesitant in emotionally engaging in worship with God because I'd seen just, I'll just call it this, weird stuff in worship settings. Like weirdness. I'm not into weirdness. I heard, I heard a saying one time, like, like people like are afraid of like Christian, like weird Christians. Listen, weird Christians were weird before they were Christians. Okay, so just being Christian didn't make them weird. They're just weird before they're Christian. Anyway, you might need that someday. Um, but you, you know, we've been maybe you've been in an environment. You're like, that was. You weren't worshiping God with emotion. You were just worshiping emotion. And because you were worshiping emotion, I'm going to remove my emotion from my worship. It happens that fast. And God says, I want you to come to me. Heart and soul. Mind and strength. I want you to lay your guards down and see me for who I am. And you will see yourself in light of that. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. See, I think that's part of it too. Like, well, if I let that, well, am I just going to give, is it just going to be, no, 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 no. He says, come to me, heart and soul, mind and strength. I, I believe there's, there's so many within the church today, especially in our, listen, in, in, in our Western church. Look globally. Like when we, when we used to attend church in, in, in Illinois, uh, a church of three or 400 people, we had 40 different nationalities represented. It was amazing. And you know what I noticed is that not all cultural cultures experience emotion the same way. There were some cultures that were a little bit more staunch than we were, but... but then you've got some Latin and some African and some Italian cultures, like all the, like, and there were just so much more. To, am I better because I'm not as emotional? 
How arrogant and silly. God wants all of me. And that means I can express myself to him where I'm at. It means I don't have to hide parts of me because I'm afraid to get swept in. Okay? Again, I'm not asking you to leave your brain at the door, but I'm just inviting you not to leave your heart there as well. So I want to wrap up with these three things, and then we're going to have a few more, a little bit more time of worship. Like we did last week, it's going to be more than just a, a verse and a chorus. I want us to, I want us to practice this a little bit. So I, let me just give you three things here, real quick. The first one is this: when when it comes to worship, whether that's in this setting or whether that's just in your your personal uh, life and your personal quiet time as you've made room, one, don't hold back, and don't be afraid of the fact that emotion stirs as I begin to play worship music. God made that happen. We don't have to be afraid of it. In fact, I'll just call it like it is. Like in just a moment, we're going to have, uh, Terry's going to come to the keyboard. Okay. In fact, Terry, you can just come now since I've just already talked about it. All right. Terry's going to come to the keyboard. And this is what's going to happen. She's going to play some really soft and nice. And she's going to play the type of music that's just going to like make us feel this sense of peace. And here's why. Like I'm just going to, this is what we do. Here's why. It's not manipulative. It's because music has a way of connecting with us emotionally. And as we come to the end of a service, week after week, our prayer is that we would receive the, the truth, the word that the, the mind right, has taken in, but that it would transfer from our mind to our heart, that we'd be able to respond to God, and God works through both our mind and our emotions simultaneously. And so it creates just kind of a soft background that sets the mood for me to be able to lean into what God is trying to move from my, from my head to my heart. It's not manipulation. That's God's design. It's okay. We don't have to be afraid. God wants worship. He wants true worship in spirit and in truth. So <laughs> let the music move you, okay? It's okay. It's God's design. One, don't hold back. Two, play to your strengths. This one, especially in personal times of worship. So, so I started out by, by, you know, looking at all these different mountaintops, so to speak, all these music genres, and different ones of us experience, or it's just easier to get where we're trying to get. It's easier to get on my knees before the throne of God for some people with one style than the other. Play to your strengths. Go there every day. Every day. If it's the same song every day for the rest of your life that just whatever reason allows you to get to a place, it puts your perspective in the right place. You see from a spiritual perspective, you're able to kneel before the throne of God, recognize him for who he is, allowing you to see yourself in that light. If you, it's one song every day, listen to that one song every day and worship him. Whether that's something we sing in here, great. Is something we never sing in here? Fine. You play to your strengths. Don't hold back. Play to your strengths. Here's this third one. And this is something that I just didn't expect to see in the scripture as much as I did. And number three is this, sing a new song. Sing a new song. And this is what I'm saying. <clears throat> I can remember being in, in, uh, going to the first church service I ever went to in Guatemala. <sighs> and... Uh, the band was a guy with a bass that only had three strings, but it wasn't a problem because he only played two of them. And, and the other was a drummer. And, and the worship leader, bless her heart, but she, she, didn't have any, she didn't have any musical training what was happening was somewhere between singing and chanting, somewhere in that range. Um, literally dogs and chickens were roaming through the church. Like eight-year-olds were throwing firecrackers into the back door. Women are nursing their babies. Toddlers are climbing on dogs. And nobody cared. 
I need to learn to worship God there. I need to learn to sing a new song. That's an extreme example, but something I've learned in my life too is I grew up in the the world of like, we serve a risen king, let's celebrate every Sunday. And so for for a number of years early on in my faith and maybe my college years, I'd see more traditional styles of worship and think like, ah, they're just dead. There's no life in that. But it was later, I'm just maturing in my faith, recognizing that no, they just they just embraced a different way to get to their knees and igno- before his throne in reverence and surrender that I, I was kind of foreign to me. I had to learn to sing a new song. Someday, maybe rap music will be the primary mode of worship on Sunday mornings. I don't know. In which case, we'd all probably need to learn to sing a new song. Because music isn't worship. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. True worshipers are the ones that regardless on what mountaintop is near them, they bow their knee to his throne. So friends, here's what's so cool about this, is if we're supposed to see God for who he is, and worship or music is is a vehicle for worship, here's the the fun thing. Rather than being like, this isn't really my style, I can't get into this or that, or this is too loud, or this is too soft, or this isn't... uh, this isn't like heartfelt enough or this is a little too heartfelt or whatever your thing might be. What if instead of criticizing or critiquing the worship style that you're involved, like, cause here's what happens. Like I'm before the throne of God and all of a sudden there's a line. I'm like, wait a second. Is that actually as biblically uh, sound as it looks? I'm not saying check your brain out, but I am saying this. What most of us do at that point of time is we hop out of the vehicle. When we're worshiping God and they big and they bring it down, but I'm a big worshiper kind of person and they bring it all down. You're like, oh man, I wish that, why'd they have to come down here? I just, you just hopped off. Music is a vehicle to bring us into worship so that we can bow our knee before our heavenly father. Let's not get so caught up on the vehicle that we miss why we're, where we're going. <laughs> Let's not get so caught up on which mountaintop we're riding that we miss it. Now, all that to say, music is significant. So let's learn. Let's grow. I want to experience new ways to worship. Give me a new genre. What is that? Where does that bring me? Because there's certain vehicles that are more suited to do accomplish certain tasks, aren't there? If you have a sports car and a pickup, and you need to move a friend, which vehicle are you gonna take? You have a sports car and a pickup and you need to get zero to 60 as quick as possible, which vehicle are you gonna take? There's certain vehicles that can accomplish certain tasks better. There's certain styles of music that might be more suited and conducive to experience God in a certain way, which means if I limit myself to that, I'm missing out on a whole lot more of what God has for me. I wanna bring it all. I don't want to hold back. Sure, I want to play to my strengths. I want to go to that place that I can just be real with God, but I also, I also, I want to grow. I don't want to get frustrated when it's not my preference. If I can worship God in Guatemala, why can't I worship God with a music style of your preference and not mine? Because music is just a vehicle. If I'm not hopping in, that's on me, not on him. If I'm, hop, if, if, if I'm not going for that ride, that's not the worship leader's fault. That's on me because we're to live our lives as a living sacrifice. So you show me an environment that I can't worship. It's not about the mountaintops.
It's about surrendering. It's about bowing our knee to his authority. Father God, we praise and we thank you that you are a God who is infinite and holy and great and worthy. God, you're big and powerful and you are humble and approachable. You died for our sins and you judge the world. God, the, the, the magnitude of your character is unfathomable. And Lord, I, I, I just want to say thank you here for making us not just cold, robotic machines. You gave us a heart and soul to express with the fullness of emotion that we can give you, express our worship to you. Express our gratitude to you. Express our awe to you. God, help us not to hold back. Help us to not hold back. God, I'm yours. God, we are yours. What I'm asking right now that you would teach us to worship in ways we've never experienced before. That we can see you in ways we've never fathomed. God, lead us in truth. We're not interested in emotionalism for the sake of emotion. But God, we give you all of who we are. Our mind and strength and our heart and soul. Father, we love you. Today, we choose to worship you. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.